So we're starting a whole new series today, which is kind of interesting with VBF uh, being today as well, or starting today. And it's unhung, (laughs) unsung heroes of the Bible. In fact, I'm going to teach today, I have never heard a message in all the years I've been doing messages on the guy I'm talking about today. And let me show you who that is. Abel. How many of you have ever heard a message on Abel? Now, we hear a lot about Cain, because he messed up so bad, which is Abel's brother. But Abel, what person was he? In fact, you will see, as I give scripture later, he's actually listed in the hall of fame of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And yet, we just don't hear about Abel. So let's walk through the scripture. I'm not going to give the whole thing. I'm going to give it to you and kind of story tell part of it. But it simply starts like this. After Adam and Eve have messed up, and before we get all up in arms about Adam and Eve and how they messed up, it really wouldn't matter what the name of the people were, who was there. The temptation was given. We have proven through the generations that we're not any better. We still keep messing up doing the same dumb stuff. So they're removed from the garden by God. And now their life is beginning outside the garden. And the man had relationship with his wife Eve. She conceived and gave birth to Cain and said, I've gotten a man child with the help of the Lord. Okay, a new beginning. We messed up, but we're getting started. Not so bad. And it gets better. And again, she gave birth to her, his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Again, new life, new start. Things are going good. Got one boy, now I got a second boy. Maybe, just maybe, we can redeem some of the mess we created back there. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of fruit of the ground. And Abel, on his part, also brought of the first things of his flock and their fat portions. Still looking pretty good. Mom and dad must be doing something right. They're teaching the kids to worship. How many of you, just a side note, have taught or are teaching your children how to worship? How do you think they're going to figure that out? It's us. We are the examples. We're the ones who not only tell them about it, but we show them how to do it. So something's happening happening in this family that is about worship. And each son now brings something, a portion of what he has to the Lord as his worship. What did you bring today? And that's why we keep Gary on a short leash, who is my friend, by the way. Ask yourself, what did I bring today? We're here for a worship service. We've just had some music, which was wonderful. But what is it that I am bringing to my God for worship? A heart that's ready to learn more. That's an excellent answer. The scripture says that it is our spiritual worship to what? Give ourselves 
as a living sacrifice. There you go. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. So things are, you know, on the surface, it looks pretty good. Watch what happens. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. God. By the way, have you ever thought about this? I have so many times I've lost, can't even remember, but how about wonder why God leaves out some of the details? Like, how was it that God was able to speak to Abel? Was he there with him? Was he was it through the Spirit? I don't know. I just sometimes I'm reading, I think, man, there's a whole lot of details left out here. But God says to Abel, Well done. Good job. Kudos. But for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So now you got to say, okay, either Cain messed up in bringing his offering or God's just a snob. Is God a snob? Okay, so we got to go back to Cain. So Cain, look at, it says, so Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. So if you think about that, as I have thought about it, It's the heart that God is looking at, not necessarily the animals and the vegetables. So let's do a little check. How's my heart today? Not how is my neighbor's heart, how is my mate's heart, how are my kids' hearts, but how is my heart in worship before God? Because guess who has to give an account? For my heart and my attitude toward God, I do. And so do each of us. And we're going to talk more about that as we go through the day. Cain's, he's ticked. You accepted his, not mine. You know, not a happy camper. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Have you ever noticed how God, if you spend time with God, I hope you have. If you haven't, let me encourage you to learn to do that through prayer, through the word, through a ministry of others. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well and you and not your, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up and will you not I don't want him to read this. And if you do not do well, sin is crossing at the door and it desires is for you. But you must master it. What a choice. What a choice. It's right there, Cain. It's right there. All you have to do is make the right choice. And the choice isn't necessarily animal or vegetable. The choice is, is your heart really for me or is is it more about you? Because the reason he got angry, at least in my estimation, was because God wouldn't succumb to his way of doing things. Boy, that's never happened before, has it? Or since, I should say. How many times do we get upset because things aren't going our way? I mean, come on, it's my way. It's got to be the right way because it's my way. And our world that we're living in, 
which is a world system that has continued to corrupt even from this day of Cain and Abel. The world system we're in today is more and 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 more about me and what I want. So what I'm going to do this morning is take you through a little journey, hopefully, that will help us make some sense out of this in a better way. But in this story, Cain says to his brother, This is what's happening. Not going well with me and God. So the problem now, remember, is the problem is between Cain and God. And Cain takes it to his brother. So while they're in the field, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Boy, there's a simple solution. Well, if I eliminate the competition, God's got to be happy with my gift because it's the only gift. So we got a couple of things really bubbling here. One is anger. Anybody here ever deal with anger? Those of you who know my testimony, I grew up in an angry family. I know a little bit about anger. And here's what I know. It's wrong. I can do my best to justify it. I can do my best to explain it. But the simple truth is, Anytime I get angry, I have chosen to leave the control of the Holy Spirit. So he kills him. This is in Hebrews 11. I mentioned it earlier. Verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was a righteous man. God testifying about his gifts and through faith, though he was dead, he still speaks. Now, Abel, he was born. He took care of the animals. He worshiped. And he was killed. That's not a lot, is it? But yet God, in his sovereignty and his recognition of the faith and righteousness of Abel, makes sure that he is mentioned by name in the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. So let's try to take this, and sometimes I know I have to be careful because I connect dots that everybody doesn't necessarily see. That's not to think I'm so wise or smart. It's just sometimes my mind works that way. And that was before I bounced it off the concrete, just so you know. So the anger is there. And the jealousy is there. And out of that comes a critical spirit, if we're not careful. We start thinking thoughts of other people in ways that are not intended of God. I'm going to push it out a little farther. In James chapter 3, depending on your translation, it says when we're those who are involved in divisiveness and bringing about division, we're actually being influenced by demonic forces. 
So Cain was given a choice. Here it is, Cain. All you have to do is say, God, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Because he was looking at the heart, not at the veggies. God was. And he chose the wrong way. So God is offering to us a choice. Whose side are you really on? Are you on my side or the enemy's side? You say, oh, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm a Christian. I am saved. I'm, I'm here today. I'm inside the church building. Guess what? Just side note, we cannot be demon-possessed if you're in Christ. His blood will not permit that. But we can be demon-influenced. And we can let the enemy get into our minds and do some things that bring about terrible, terrible events within the church. In fact, all you have to do is read church history. Why do you think we have so many denominations as we do today? Why do you think we have so many variations of each denomination as we do today? If you go back to Acts chapter 2, in the founding of the church, there was one and only one was needed. But as time went on, oh, but I want it, what? My way. And because I want it my way, and your way and my way are not jihad, it's not a matter of, wait a minute, oh, it's in the newspaper today, isn't it? The very newspaper today. A denomination is dividing over, over homosexual rights. Oh, my God. I mean that literally. What have we come to? There is no way under heaven you can read the word of God and think you're right. Oh, but God is love. Yes, he is. But he's a God of judgment too. Oh, but, but God wouldn't condemn anybody. God never does, but he does condemn the sin, whether it's mine or yours. And by the way, just so you know, one's not worse than the other. Jesus died for all sin, for all man. So here we are. We're seeing this more and more and more as we continue on in our history. So let's do this. I'm going to give you something. Again, I may be pushing it a little bit with the line that I'm in, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it works for all of us. I want to give you a formula today to perform modern miracles. I think that's pretty cool. That we have within us, with the help of God, of course, the capacity to perform miracles. Let me explain that to you as I see it. Somebody says something or does something to you. And guess what? That happens all the time. It's not like it's novel. Somebody says something or does something to you. I'm going to get in trouble here, but I'm okay with this one. Oh, sheesh. It hurt my feelings. Okay, I'm not advocating not to have feelings. And maybe I've just lived a little longer than some of you. But I remember a time 
when that was not the issue that it has become today. Now, if you're the one who is hurting the feelings, that's not letting you off either. Both are guilty. But we're living in a world system now is about my feelings. So what if this happened instead? What if we took this little formula I'm going to give you and we actually started doing it? So somebody does something to me or says something to me that hurts my feelings. What should be my first response? Thank you. Tell God about it. Oh, no. I I didn't bring my phone. (laughs) To all my contacts. I don't do social media. Facebook. You know what they did to me? Oh, please grow up, Christians. Go get in your prayer closet, shut up with them, and talk up to him. God, we so fall into this. It is, it's embarrassing for me as a pastor to know how we are as Christians today because we have become so critical and so cynical. You know, I like my dead guys. And one of my favorite dead guys is Oswald Chambers. This was his devotion on June the 17th. Beware of criticizing others. Judge not that you be not judged. Matthew 7, 1. Jesus' instructions with regard to judging others is very simply put. Don't. Was that clear? Was it too muddled? You didn't get it? Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 says, Don't judge others. wonder what that means. If you translate it, that means don't. The average Christian, listen to this, this is Oswald, this is not Steve, but I agree with him. The average Christian is the most piercingly critical individual known. Criticism is one of the ordinary activities of people. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody thinks they have the right to express it. And now we have more ways of doing that than ever before in history. But in the spiritual realm, nothing is accomplished by it. The effect of criticism is the dividing up of the strengths of the one being criticized. The Holy Spirit, listen carefully, please get this. You can get Oswald Chambers online, my hope must for his highest. This is June the 17th devotion. The Holy Spirit is the only one, listen, the Holy Spirit is the only one in the proper position to criticize. It, it kind of reminds me of when I came to know Christ. Because when I came to know Christ as a drunken, cursing sailor, One of my accomplishments was that I was really good at cursing. 
And I prided myself that I, that I could outcurse all 249 other sailors on my ship. And when I came to know Christ, the Holy Spirit brought conviction. And I had to take some time to learn a new vocabulary. And I'm so grateful that God did that for me because he loved me that much. The Holy Spirit is the only one who is in a proper position to criticize. And he alone is able to show what is wrong. Listen carefully. He alone is able to show what is wrong without hurting and wounding. It is impossible to enter the fellowship with God when you're in a critical mood. One of the reasons we have trouble getting close to Jesus because he ain't going to put up with our junk. Criticism serves to make you harsh, vindictive, and cruel and leaves you with the sithering, flattering idea that somehow, (laughs) somehow you're more superior than that person. We don't think about quite like that, do we? When I'm criticizing someone else, what I'm saying is, I'm better than you. There's no escaping the penetrating search of my life by Jesus. So if, it, if those things keep coming to me, those tests, if you want to call them, that keep coming to me, there's a reason for them coming. There's no escaping the penetrating search of my life by Christ. If I see the speck in your eye, it means I have a plank in mine. Matthew 7, 3 through 5. Every wrong thing that I see in you, God finds in me. Every time I judge, I condemn myself. Romans chapter 2. Stop having a measuring stick for other people. There's always at least one more factor which we do not know in every person's situation. And we can so often make such terrible judgments based on appearance. I'll give you a simple one. The other week I was sitting in the car waiting on Sheila at Walmart. And this guy came out with a buggy. He went down to a work truck. And he pulled his cooler open, and he put his stuff in the back of his truck, bag of ice, drinks, all that. He started putting them in. And I could see, I couldn't see everything, but I could see that there was a logo on the side of the truck, home repair. And you may or may not have noticed, but Bud Light's been in the news lately. Okay. And from where I was sitting, my vantage point... I swear this guy was loading Bud Light into his cooler. And so I'm trying to get a good bead on the truck he's driving me because I want to make sure I don't call him to work at my house. Even though after my recent experience, it might not be a bad idea. And so I'm sitting there in judgment of this man and his company, whatever it may be, because of what I think I'm seeing but then he gets out of the truck. He's put all the drinks in the cooler. He takes the boxes and put them in the cart to take them up to the trash can. And he goes by me with all his Pepsi boxes. We don't get it all. 
We don't. We may think we do, but we don't. So Chambers is emphasizing the point that we don't always see it all. The first thing that God does is to give us a thorough spiritual cleansing. That's what he did for me when I came to know him all those years ago, over 50 years ago now. And since that time, he has been really active because he loves me of rooting out all that junk that's in me, some that came down generational lines and some that I created of my own. And you would think by now, having been at this over five decades, that I would be at the end of it. But here's what I absolutely know as God continues to work in my life. He was there first. He created me. He was there first. And because he was there first, I know there is that work that he is doing with the Holy Spirit in cooperation with the Holy Spirit to bring about all that God has for me and all that he wants for me in his kingdom. Now, let's go back to Cain and Abel. God shows up back on the scene. Cain, where's your brother? (laughs) What am I supposed to do? Take care of my little brother? God says, his blood cries out to me from the ground. Fast forward. Egypt. Moses. The rising star in the Pharaoh's house. Even though he was Hebrew. Somehow through his mother's teaching or the spirit of God, he realized who he was and he decided, oh, I am the redeemer that God wants. So he goes out and he sees a fight between an Egyptian and a Hebrew and he kills the Egyptian and buries him in the sand. I'm not sure if he thought he was going to get rid of them all at one time or all, you know, one at a time. But I've never been in the desert. But I think the wind blows there some, and apparently that's what happened. And the body was discovered. Why am I saying that? Because all the junk we've been doing, we think we've been hiding, we haven't. Because you see, we have this loving God who loves us, and every one of us who knows Christ will have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give a, an account of all that we've done. In 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 11, here's what it says. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. For we must all, we must all, are you hearing, you know, Jesus? Guess what? You're included in this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that everyone may be recompensed for the deeds in his body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. I want the scales tipping in my favor. And it's not salvation by works. That's not what this is about. It's not it at all. It is the fact that because of Christ in me and the relationship, the intimacy that I have with him, 
All of that that I do will be done because of I love him. Verse 14, same chapter. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all have died. Verse 15, and he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves. Oh, that's back to all that feeling junk, ain't it? But for him who died and rose again on their behalf. There is a living guy that I like to read and listen to is Rick Renner. And Rick was illustrating in one of his writings himself as a young man, as an associate pastor. He said, the pastor that I was serving under was an amazing man of God. He was a mentor to me. He gave to me unselfishly. But one day he did something that I didn't like. Guess what? If you know me for any period of time, I'm sure I have accomplished that in your life. Not because that's my choice. It's just how life is. And he said, so I began to build in my mind this person who wasn't really who this person was. And I became very critical. He said, then I got to the place where, oh, wait a minute. I know more than he knows. I'm more spiritual than he is. I can do a better job passing the church than he can. He said, all because of one little thing that he did that I didn't agree with. He said, I'm grateful to God that over a little bit of time, the Holy Spirit got to me and dealt with me and helped me realize how wrong I was. And he said, now, many, many years later, this man is still my friend, still my mentor, and still someone I look up to. It happens. It happens all the time. What we do with it is what makes the difference. So what is the formula for the miracle that I mentioned to you? We see it, we hear it, it happens. But our response is immediate and continual intercession. First, self-examination. God, are you showing that to me? Because I'm unwilling unwilling to see it in my own self. And so you're putting up a mirror. First thing. Secondly, God, you have allowed me to see that in that person's life because you wanted me to be their intercessor. Now let me be that person that intercedes. And then we spend that time with God before his throne, crying out to him on behalf of this person, whatever it is they may have said or done or didn't say or do that has somehow brought about in me these feelings. Oh God, help me, help me, help me, help me to be that person that you are calling from all this mess and junk into the righteousness of Christ. So that whatever the person is or whoever the person is or whatever they've done, I can see them through your eyes, Lord Jesus. So let's look at a situation through the eyes of Jesus, shall we? On the cross. Those who judged him, those who criticized him, 
those who arrested him, and those who ultimately nailed him to the cross. Looking at those people who have hurt him now to the point of death, and he's looking out from the cross on those people. And what does he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Can that not be us? Do we know all that happened there? We know that a few days later, 50 days, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit shows up. Thousands are birthed into the kingdom. They continue to be birthed into the kingdom because those who are there are continuing the apostles' doctrine and prayer and fellowship and breaking of bread. And then as persecution continues, they're scattered throughout the world and they literally, literally, literally turn the world upside down for Jesus. The assignment hasn't changed. The help hasn't changed. It still reached this world for me in the power and empowering of the Holy Spirit. And tag, we're it. Would you stand so we can pray? Lord, you know what you want to do in every one of our lives. You know how you want to use us in your kingdom. And we're grateful for the privilege, the opportunity for this very, 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 very real time that we're in to be your hands and your feet, your heart in our world. And God, for where we've been so critical and so condemning of others, even brothers and sisters in Christ. Break that off now in the name of Jesus, I pray. And the authority and the help of the Holy Spirit to change my heart, my mind, because we've all been guilty. I confess, I repent today of my critical spirit. It isn't what I want, but I find myself there. So I now ask for help, Holy Spirit, that that can be changed in my life and the life of every one of us who are here. We're always, from the very beginning, there in the garden, given a choice. And our choice today is, if we make the wise, righteous choice, is here we are, living sacrifices, for you to do in us all that you want to do, so that your name is glorified and your name is honored. We pray this in Christ's holy, holy, holy name. Amen, amen, amen.